around the world. The Spirit is moving and a voice is being heard. Welcome to The Voice of Evangelism with David Langford. You can write to The Voice of Evangelism at P.O. Box 502, Kayser, North Carolina, 28020. We'll give you that address again at the close of today's broadcast. But here now is David Langford. Hello, friends. Pastor David Langford here today. We'd like to welcome each of you to this edition of The Voice of Evangelism International Ministries. Today is Tuesday, Tuesday, March the 9th, 2021. We have a very, very special announcement today. Beginning this evening at 10 p.m. tonight, Tuesday night, we'll be on the CTN Christian Television Network. The direct television station will be channel 376. Dish Network will be channel 267. Again, beginning tonight, Tuesday, March the 9th, today, providing nothing technical goes awry, the Voice of Evangelism will be on the Christian Television Network. That's Direct Television, Channel 376, and on Dish Network, that's 267. Now, this is going to be different than what I'm doing here relative to YouTube and radio. And I feel led of the Holy Spirit to reteach Matthew chapter 24 as we begin to do this on television. And we certainly covet your prayers and ask that God would touch the television broadcast and use it for his honor, his praise, and his glory. And that many, many hearts and lives and souls would be touched by the power and by the Spirit of God. Everything that we are doing fundamentally is about winning souls. Nothing more, nothing less, winning souls for Jesus Christ. So again, this will be a little more, uh, what's the word am I looking for? I'll be wearing a coat and a tie for the most part, uh, more of your traditional setting as a ministry and minister. But be sure to put that on your calendar, DVR it, tell your friends, share it with them. But I'm excited about starting over and teaching Matthew chapter 24 and putting that on television. Again, that's tonight at 9 p.m. If you happen to miss it, it'll be rebroadcast on Saturday evenings at 3 p.m. Tuesday nights at 10 p.m., Saturday evenings at 3 p.m., and the following week we'll post that on our website. The following week we'll post those TV programs on our website. And so we thank God for his blessings. We thank God for his provision. We thank God immensely for you, the believer, who helps us to share the gospel literally around the world. There's been a great increase in people desiring to understand Bible prophecy. And I just feel in my heart this is a very opportunistic time to do something for the kingdom of God. We'd like to get on other television networks as the Lord provides 
So please pray for us and the ministry that God would, like Jabez, enlarge our coast. I pray that God will give me favor with young people, that the voice of evangelism might touch their hearts and their lives, that they too might come to the saving grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. We need to be concerned about the lost. So again tonight, 10 p.m., Saturday evenings at 3 p.m., that's Eastern Standard Time, the voice of evangelism can be seen on direct television, channel 376, and DISH Network 267. DISH is 267. Direct television is 376. I know it'll be a blessing to many, many people, and I do covet your prayers that we might more effectively touch the hearts and lives of many souls here in the time of the end. I want to play a beautiful song today by a gentleman by the name of Lee Williams. Lee Williams, he's a black singer. I love the music, the tone, the soul that's in the, uh, the black musicians and singers. And I pray this old gospel song will bless you immensely, one that many of you may have heard. It's entitled, Oh, I Want to See Him. Y'all come on, put your hands together. As I journey through this land, singing as I go, pouring souls to Calvary, to the crimson flow, many arrows pierce my soul. From without, within, but my Lord leads me on. Through Him, I must win. Oh, oh, and
see him. Do you want to see him? 1 John 3, 1, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is, and every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. You can't get any more purer than Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Again, I want to read John chapter 12, verses 35 and 36. Then Jesus said unto them, Yet... A little while is the light with you. Walk while ye have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. While ye have light, believe in the light, that ye may be the children of the light. Certainly, We all want to be children of the light of Jesus Christ. I love the two phrases, two verses in John 1, 4, 5. In him was life, and the light was the light of men. And the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. In photosynthesis, anything that's going to grow and develop correctly as it should, it must have light. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The life is in the light. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. The darkness cannot 
fathom, neither embrace the light, because when the light comes, the darkness leaves. I want to read a passage today from Psalms 107, verses 9 through 14. For he satisfieth the longing soul, and filleth the hungry soul with goodness, such as sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, being bound in afflictions and iron. This type of oppression, depression, or affliction is so great, it feels like chains or shackles. Because they rebelled against the words of God and contemned or despised the counsel of the Most High, therefore he brought down their heart with labor. They fell down and there was none to help them. Then they cried out unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and broke their bonds or their bands in sunder. Now what the psalmist is describing here was the captivity and bondage of Egypt. This is what the psalmist is talking about. So he begins by declaring, for he satisfieth the longing soul and filleth the hungry soul with goodness, such as or those that be that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. When we are living in sin, none of us ever grasp truly the fact that we were in darkness, we were in the shadow of death. Death was lurking at every point in your life, every moment in your life, Satan was trying to take you out while he had you in the darkness. John 3, 19, men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. And they don't come to the light lest their deeds be reproved. Men don't want to come to the light. Men and women alike do not want to go to Holy Ghost, Spirit-filled churches where their deeds are reproved because when the gospel is preached, it is a shining, bright light, like a lighthouse set on a hill. And that light shines into the darkness, the dark corners, the dark crevices, the dark places of people and their lives and where they are living. And they don't want that exposure. Men loved darkness. I want you to listen to that. John 3, 19, and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. I, I, I can't imagine Loving darkness. Man, when I get up in the morning, I want to pull back the curtains. I want to see the sunshine. We've had so much rain. We've had three little small snows. They may be three or four inches, but it'll be 45 degrees the next day, and it all melts very quickly. But I'm tired of the rain. I'm tired of the rain. I'm tired of the snow. I want the sunshine. You get vitamin D from sunshine. Darkness gets old. 
Think about that. People who go into outer darkness for eternity. Think about the depression. Think about the oppression. Think about the desire just to have a little sunlight, a little light. But it won't be there. God is light. Because God is not there, there cannot be no light. The magnitude, the gravity, the vastness of God's light is New Jerusalem has no need of light for the Lamb of God is the light therein. My God, what a, what a radiant, voluminous light. A city 1,500 miles square, 1,500 miles long, 1,500 miles wide, and 1,500 miles high, and it won't need energy. Jesus is the light, but those who do not make it will be cast in outer darkness, and there they will spend all eternity in that state and that place of darkness. You say, that's a cruel God. No, that's where the devil took you. God doesn't take men there. I said, God does not take men there. The devil takes men there. This is, this is where the devil takes people, into the darkness. Darkness is where men conceal their evil deeds and their evil works. As I said yesterday, there is darkness over the White House. This will be more, there will be more covert operations in this administration than's ever been, I believe, in history. Men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Think about that. What I'm saying, loving darkness. If you were in darkness for two or three weeks without any light whatsoever, no light, no natural light, sunlight, no artificial light, light bulbs, LEDs, fluorescent, whatever the case might be, but you were in perpetual darkness, you talk about discouragement. You talk about depression. It'll affect your body physically. That's where most people uh, get their vitamin D is through the sunlight. You, you get so much by ingestion, but you get the bulk of it through sunlight. He satisfieth the longing soul and filleth the hungry soul with goodness, such as sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. If you want out of the light, Christ will, I mean, out of the darkness, Christ will take you out of the darkness. He will put you into the light. When he comes, that's what that means. The light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. When Christ comes to you, the darkness leaves. It just leaves. Turn the light on in the bedroom. Where does the darkness go? It literally, utterly, totally leaves. Think about the brightest light you've ever seen. That is not a speck, a drop in the bucket to the light of Christ. The Bible says here in Psalms 107 verse 14, he brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and broke their bands in sunder. We haven't gotten there, but the Bible talks about the chains of darkness. You don't have to have a physical chain upon you. 
but darkness can be literally as a chain that holds someone hostage. The darkness is like a chain that holds them hostage. That's the power and the disruption, you might say, of darkness, the power that it possesses. It's it's, 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 it's hard to grasp. I shared this with you some weeks ago when we started this teaching, but I want to share it again. Exodus chapter 10, verse 21. And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out thine hand toward heaven, that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, even darkness which can be felt. In other words, you could feel the darkness. It could be physically felt. This, we're not talking about an emotion here. We're not talking about a spiritual application. We're talking about true, literal darkness all over the entirety of Egypt. And the darkness was so powerful, the Bible says, even darkness which can be felt. Even, that's, that's defining the magnitude and the gravity of the darkness. Even darkness which may be felt. And Moses stretched forth his hand toward heaven, and there was a thick darkness in all the land of Egypt three days. Three days. There was this thick, unfathomable darkness that could be felt. They saw not one another, neither rose any from his place for three days. And when I was reading that some time ago, it, it hit me. The darkness was paralyzing. When I opened up this series, we talked about riding down the road, doing 65 miles an hour on an old straight country road. There are no street lights. There's nobody else on the road. Turn off your lights. Turn off your lights. You must stop. You must stop. Why? You don't know where you're going. Just like Jesus said, if you're in darkness, you don't know whether you're going. You don't, you don't know what you're doing. And if you're doing 65 miles an hour barreling down a highway and you turn the lights off, if you don't stop or turn the lights back on, you're in great trouble in just a matter of moments. You got to stop or get back in the light. This is what the darkness will be like to those who reject Christ. They saw not one another, neither rose any from his place for three days. They were paralyzed. It was like chains. They couldn't move. They couldn't go anywhere. They didn't see each other. And I love this. But all the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. They could see in the rooms. They could see in the cottages. They could see in their homes, whatever they were, mud huts, whatever the case might be. They could see brick probably. Modest brick homes because they were making brick for the Egyptian government. Straw, mortar, made many, many bricks. So the, 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 the darkness has the power to seize and take control of people's lives. Remember, they could not see one another, and they rose not up 
because they were paralyzed by the chains of that great darkness that could be literally, physically felt. Who in their right mind would want to be attached to that? Jesus is described as the light. Jesus says here, that's why I love this scripture text, John 12, 35 and 36. Yet a little while is the light with you. Walk while ye have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. While ye have the light, believe in the light, that ye may be the children of the light. If you're a child of God, you are a child of light. If you're a child of the devil, you are a child of darkness. This is what's happened to the church. It's shadowy. It's gray. It's the twilight zone. That's where most churches are, kind of in, kind of out. That's not how God is. It's either light or it's either darkness. It, it can't be one or the other, or it has to be one or the other. It can't be both. You, you, you can't commingle the two. You can't mix light with darkness, though they, that's what they try to do. Turn the lights down. I remember that church I was in. How do you want the lights? You want to turn them down? No, this is not a nightclub. This is not a bar. This is not a place to find chicks and to find guys. This is a place to come and worship and praise and glorify and magnify the Lord of glory. This is what this should be about. But men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. You noticed all these mega churches, Hillsong, all these huge, great churches. It's dark in the congregation. The only place there's light is, is up on the, uh, the platform. They're, they're entertainers. These are not ministers. These are not true anointed God-called preachers. These are showmen. The Lord put it in my spirit months ago. Christian celebrities, that's what they see themselves as. Christian celebrities. They wanted to have a nightclub atmosphere, theater seats, and turn off the lights. We're getting ready to have a show. No, we're not having a show. We want a move of God. We want the power of the Holy Ghost to move and divinely touch the hearts and lives of people. Anything that's living and walking in the light is growing, and as you're growing, you need to be fed. You need to be fed the Word of God. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Can I ask you a question today? Do you hunger? Do you thirst for righteousness? Do you have a hunger for God? Do you have a thirst for God? Do you have an appetite for God? Or are you just religious, having a form of godliness and denying the power thereof? Jesus said in John 6, 35, I am the bread of life. 
He that cometh to me shall never hunger. He that believeth on me shall never thirst. You know, if you pray regularly and you read your Bible faithfully, you will not have a hunger and a thirst. God will quench the hunger. God will quench the thirst with spiritual things, spiritual things, powerful anointing of the Holy Ghost. God will fill the void and the emptiness in your life. Alcohol and drugs, they, they can't fill the void. Another man, another woman in your life is not going to fill the void. The void can only be filled by Jesus Christ. And the reason it can only be filled by Jesus is because God breathed into the nostrils of man and man became a living soul. So when that breath of life was put into the, the person, thus having an eternal soul, there's only one thing that can satisfy it, God, his word, the Holy Ghost. Those are the things that can now only satisfy a man. I think about all the, the great people, I shouldn't say maybe great, but worldly people who were renowned and they were famous and they were rich, but they died heinous deaths. Elvis Presley, Michael Jackson, Whitney Houston, Anna Nicole Smith. These people aren't happy. These people are miserable. Got to drink some more liquor. Got to take some more pills. Got to shoot some more dope. And see, the devil makes people think the joy, the gusto of life is found and the darkness, but it's not. Everybody I just named died a death of overdose, drugs. I, I, I know people who have, I know people personally who've overdosed on drugs and died. That's a dark world. That's a sinister world. That's a world where there's, there's demonic chaos. Demonic chaos. And that's why the devil wants to cover your life, shroud your life in darkness. And he doesn't care what kind of darkness it is, just so that it is darkness. A little lie here, a little lie there, a little misrepresentation here, a little mistruth here, and before long, you are walking in utter, absolute darkness. You say, no, I'm not. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. This is why this that I keep reading in John 12, 35, 36. Believe in the light. Believe in it. You say, well, I, I know Jesus says he's light. I know the word of God says it's a, a, a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. Believe it. Believe it. Embrace it. Listen, the more you spend time in God's presence, the more your life will illuminate. That light that is in you will emanate from you innately. It will just come out of you. Why? Because it is in you. What's in you is coming out. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. You know, I know people who tell me all the time they're Christians. They curse like sailors. There's something wrong in your life, sir. 
I said, there's something wrong and rotten in your life when you curse all the time, but you say you're a child of God. Can sweet and bitter water come out of the same well? How is it you curse all the time and then you want to turn around and bless God when you're listening to a Holy Ghost Spirit-filled preacher? James said, these things ought not be, brethren. This is just not right. This is just not right. Again, what is right? Righteousness. That's what righteousness is, doing the right thing. We, we live in a different world. We live in a compromised world. Listen, people like Nancy Pelosi, Joe Biden, I pray every day. I pray for the president, Nancy Pelosi said, talking about Trump. She wanted to kill him. I pull him out of the White House by the hair of his head, but I pray for him. Oh, all these illegal aliens and immigrants trying to cross the border, they have a spark of divinity in them, she said. They all have a spark of divinity, but she doesn't mind killing, destroying that spark of divinity and a baby in a mother's womb. You see, these people, whether you want to believe it or not, are hell-bound if they don't repent. You, 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 Joe Biden is going against the Hyde Amendment. He's taken the Hyde Amendment, broken it, and going to send money overseas to kill babies. But, oh, he's a Catholic. Oh, he needs to do some ten Hail Marys. Pray some of the rosaries. Rosary. These people, these people are nothing but religious people. They don't have a relationship with God. Why? They're in darkness. God does not dwell in the darkness because we have to come to him. We have to come to the light. Now, the light will come to you to convict you, reprove you, but when you see the light, you come to it. The old cliche, there's light at the end of the tunnel. Boy, when you're on the other side and it ain't nothing but utter darkness, it's scary. It, 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 it's uncertain. But all you got to see is that little crack of light. Just a little bit of light. You've seen these television programs where they've had a mine that's collapsed or a cave collapsed and the people couldn't get out and they're digging. And what's the first thing you see come through the dirt? A ray of light. And they're saying, now, now we're saved. Why? Saw the light. They saw the light. The sunlight broke the dirt, the earth, and they could see. There's somebody on the other side that's helping me. That's what Jesus does. He is the light. He shines into the darkness. And when we see the light, we're supposed to come to the light. But he said, these men here in John 3, they won't come to the light because their deeds are evil. And if they come to the light, their deeds will be reproved. In other words, he will rebuke them for those evil, dark deeds. Well, we, we, we don't want that. Darkness, nightclubs, pornography shops, backdoor deals, lights turned down, lights low, bribery, extortion, under the guise of darkness. That's not the way it should be. We should be desirous for the light. 
the light, which is Jesus. You see, the great thing about Jesus Christ is that if the believer gets into a trial, a fiery trial, a fiery test, an arduous, difficult temptation, the light will shine on your path to show you the way of escape wherein God can deliver you. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such is as common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer ye to be tempted above that ye are able, but will, with the temptation, also make a way to escape that you might be able to bear it, or may be able to bear it. In other words, God will make a way where you can get through this. When you're a child of God, all hope is never lost. Why? That hope is in our hearts, and it was placed there by the Holy Spirit, Romans 5 and 5, and hope maketh not ashamed. You won't be embarrassed. You won't be disappointed putting your hope in Christ. And hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit which is given unto us. The Holy Spirit sheds, smears abroad in your heart hope. Hope. Hope in what? Hope in God. And no matter how dark, how arduous, how difficult the trial, the test, the temptation, that hope comes from God. It comes from the Holy Ghost, and the Holy Ghost won't ever let you lose hope. I'm talking about hope in God. I've, I've, I've lost hope before in people. They finally just show themselves, and you know they're, they're, just, they're, they're over with. You just, you can't trust them anymore. You, you can't depend upon them anymore. Why? You've lost hope. I've never lost hope in God. I've seen some dark days. Many of you listening to the, me, you've seen some very, very, very dark days, but you never lost hope, did you? You never give up. You never quit. You just, you just kept on plugging along. I said, you just kept on plugging along. You kept on going on in spite of the difficulty. David said in Psalms 34, 19, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. Remember how many times I've said this to you? When you see the word many, mostly it's never in a good context. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. That's not good, is it? But here's the good part. But the Lord delivereth him out of them all. See, that's, that's the greatness of, we're going to have many afflictions, many trials, many tests, many temptations, but the Lord delivereth us out of them all, not just some of them, not the ones he picks and chooses, not the ones you want him to do, but he says he delivers us out of them all. Sometimes it's not as quick as I would like for it to be. You've heard me say this. He's the most late on-time God I've ever seen. From my perspective, he's always late. <laughs> Why couldn't you come a day earlier, Lord? Why couldn't you have moved and given me an open door two weeks ago? There's a reason for these things. But the point is, many 
are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. A-L-L, out of them all, amen. Acts chapter 10, verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. God delivers the oppressed. Satan seeks to oppress each of us in some capacity. Oppression, in other words, pushing against us, oppressing, oppression, pushing against us to destroy us, to break us down. But God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. See, Christians can never be demon-possessed. No man can serve two masters. You, you, you can't put a demon in a vessel and the Holy Ghost in the same vessel. Now, I know there are these uh, buffoons and jacklegs that teach that. But you can't, you can't put both of them in the same vessel. One of them has to leave. You got the devil in you. You become born again. The devil leaves and God fills the void. He fills the void. The vacuity, the emptiness, God fills that. You backslide, you walk away from God, guess who comes back to your house? The devil. Satan will come back to the house that's been cleaned up and garnished and swept. He'll come back and he'll try to take up his abode there again. Why? That's because he's a thief. See? He's a thief. He is a a thief. Satan is a thief. You know, it's great to know the blessings of God. It's great to know that if you are hungry for God, that God will fill you. He will touch you. He will bless you. He will will take that which is evil and bad and turn it around and make it good. Make it good. Now, when you're a sinner or you go back into a backslidden condition, you go back to the world, unclean spirits seek to have a place of resonance in your heart. Thus, your life becomes darkened again. You don't want to ever, what I call, totally backslide. That's what I did. I, I didn't just miss the mark. I went back into full-blown sin. When I backslid in my latter teen years, I, I went full bore back into sin. Even though God was giving me mercy, watching over me, protecting me, I was, I was given over to sin in its entirety. The call, the call of God, as I said to you a couple weeks ago, has been an, a preserving factor in my personal life. The call demands I pray, I fast, I read my Bible. That's because of the call. But see, that helps to keep my flesh crucified as just a mere Christian. Not being a minister, but just as being a simple Christian. Now let's look at this story Jesus gave us in uh, Matthew chapter 12, verses 43 through 45. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, 
He, the unclean spirit, walketh through dry places, seeking rest, and findeth none. See, the unclean spirit is always looking for a place of residence, trying to find somewhere to go in to somebody and affect their lives. Then he, the unclean spirit, saith, I will return into my house or the vessel from which I came out. And when he has come, the demon findeth, or the unclean spirit finds the house, the vessel, empty, swept, and garnished. Then goeth he, the unclean spirit. He taketh with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be also unto this wicked generation. Now let me show you something here. There was only one unclean spirit in the person. The demon, the unclean spirit is cast out. The man is delivered. The vessel, the house is empty, swept, and garnished. Something has to fill the void. It's empty. It's swept. It's cleaned out. Again, this is an analogy. This is why you need to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. You need the Spirit of God in your life. But if something doesn't fill the void, when the unclean spirit is driven away, he's then able to return. He brings seven more with him. Now how many do you have? Now you have eight. Eight. The number eight means new beginning. And that's what he meant when he said, the last state of the man is worse than the first. It's a new beginning, but it's a worse beginning now. I hope this is making sense to you. I hope I always teach with profound simplicity, simpleness, not hard. You don't have to be a theologian to understand the Bible. People make the Bible hard. When I begin to teach this 24th chapter of Matthew on television, I'm going to make it as plain and simple. And if people want to believe the truth now, they got a hunger and thirst for the truth and the righteousness of God. They're going to see many of the things they've been told, they've been taught, are absolutely completely wrong. See, that's what happens when the light shines in the darkness. The darkness has to run away. The darkness has to utterly flee, has to go. And I'll never forget, it's been over two years now that we taught Matthew chapter 24, Matthew 24, 37, but as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage. Until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. 
Then two shall be in the field. The one shall be taken, the other left. Who was taken in the flood? Those that knew not. See, I was always told, no, 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 no. You see, that's, that's not what it's saying there. It's the righteous are taken, the two that are in the field, the one taken, the one left. It's the righteous taken. Oh, but back up in verse 39. Took them all away. Who did the Bible say the flood took away? Those that knew not. So why would he suddenly go from the wicked being taken away and now saying the righteous are the ones taking away. That is an utter contradiction. Furthermore, who inherits the earth? Who inherited the earth after the flood? Noah. The meek shall inherit the earth. But see, they'll twist it, they'll manipulate it, they'll turn it to say this, turn it to say that. It's sad. I'm telling you, folks, it is sad what men have done to the word of God. 2 Corinthians 2, 17, For we are not as many which corrupt, corrupt the word of God. I had uh, two of my church members came, visited me some weeks ago that I pastored. I actually did their wedding and dedicated all three of their children to the Lord. And uh, Brother David is his name. He was rehearsing something, and he, he, I said this years ago, and it obviously stuck like Chuck. He said, show me the church in heaven. Give me one Bible verse that shows the church in heaven during this time. Nobody can give him a Bible verse, but they want you to believe that's where the church is. But there's no scripture for it. So I try to maintain and teach and preach a consistency. If you don't have Bible, you're lying to me. You're trying to manipulate me. You're trying to deceive me. You're trying to trick me. Give me the Bible that pinpoints that out. Well, they're, at the, they're in heaven at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Well, wait a minute. Jesus said there's no marriage in heaven, for they are as the angels. For in heaven they neither marry nor are given in marriage, Matthew 22, 29. So what are you doing having a marriage in heaven when there is no marriage in heaven? The marriage supper of the Lamb is never even mentioned until Revelation chapter 19, verse 7, and the Lord's coming back at that point. Here's, here's the problem. You won't, let me say it this way. Many people would not want to admit this. We're saved, we're born again, we're going to heaven if we die, but there are still some dark places in our lives. There's a little dark place here, a little dark place there. You know, when they do x-rays and they see a dark spot on somebody's lung, there's something wrong, something wrong, that dark spot. That's, see, that's, that's an identifying factor, that darkness of that spot on the lung. Even a dentist, when he's doing dental x-rays, that dark spot on that tooth, that's a cavity. That, that shadowy darkness is saying, hey, there's something wrong there. That's not how it should look. This is why we take the Word of God. We embrace the Word of God. We allow the Word of God to show us what's wrong with us. Listen, folks, 
the Bible corrects me all the time. The more you know the Bible, the more the Bible will correct everything about your life, your belief, your doctrines, your disposition, uh, how you treat people, how you live, et cetera, et cetera. The Word of God is constantly doing this. But how do I live like that? You have to stay in the Word of God because it will reflect unto you who you are, but it will show you what you need to become. James 1.22, be ye doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own self. For if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass or a mirror. He's looking in a mirror. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way. Straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. Now, we call them vanity mirrors. They're over our sun visors. We go to restaurants. Men and women want to go to the restroom. They want to look at their hair. They want to look at their clothes. Why? Because they want to make sure they're looking right. Not with their eyes, but their appearance appears to look right. You look in the Word of God, it's like a mirror. When he said in Ephesians 4, 29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edify, that it might minister grace to the hearer. So when four-letter words are flying out of your mouth, if you're looking at that scripture, you put your face in it, it says don't let corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. You get away from the word, you don't know the word, you abandon the word, you violate the word. This is this is it's it's disgusting. The church world is disgusting. It is nauseating. You say, well, you shouldn't say that. Well, he said, I'll I'll spew you, I'll puke you out of my mouth like hot vomit. That's God's words, not mine. Look it up. I will spew you. That word spew in the Greek is puke. Vomit, okay? Vomit. The church has become so skewed, it makes God sick on his stomach because they want you to feel good. You stay in your darkness. You stay in your sin. We'll even play music that has a dark connotation, a dark application. Now, we don't want to sing about the power that's in the blood of Jesus Christ because the power of the blood is from the cross where his blood was shed. And we don't want you thinking about a cross. We don't want to think about you having to deny yourself and your flesh and crucify it. No, no, no. We don't want to go there. We, we, we dare not go there. We want you to come in here with all your pride, your arrogant, pompous attitudes, and we want you to leave just like that. Just like that. I love to be in a and a Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost Spirit-filled service, and women will start doing this. Why are they doing that? They're crying, and they don't want the tears to mess up the makeup. <laughs> so they, they dab them. Don't let that run down and mess up my powder, my rouge on my face. I don't want to mess it up. Hey, let the Holy Ghost mess you up 
Because in messing you up, he's going to straighten you up. You're already messed up. You know, you may not you may not appreciate my little gesture there. You may think that's kind of pompous and proud. I'm trying to get you to see we quench the spirit because we we don't want to let the spirit just take over. So we we do the little um, Brill cream commercial. Some of you old guys my age will remember the Brill cream commercial. A little dab will do you, and they just they just dab, keep them keep them tears from coming down my face. I don't want to ruin my makeup. Let the Holy Ghost wash all that off. You can put it back on when you get done, but don't quench, grieve, resist, or bind the Holy Ghost. Just just let Him come on in. Let let it let Him let Him get a hold of you. And do everything but turn you loose. My God, this is the kind of church and services we need. These are edifying. These are refreshing. These are exhilarating. Brother Neil Coke told me the other day, said, man, I, I just I want to get back in an old-fashioned Holy Ghost shakedown where the Holy Ghost just shakes everything. Because there's 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 a cleansing, there's a there's a re-sanctifying, a sanctification by being in the very presence of the living God. Oh my friend, oh my friend, how we need that. Pray for that. God's gonna give it. I'm looking for a revival. I'm looking for persecution. I'm looking for troubles. I'm looking for trials, but I'm looking for a revival. Acts 3:19, repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing or the times of revival shall come from the presence of the Lord. God bless you. I'll see you Monday next week. Remember the program, 10 o'clock tonight. The Voice of Evangelism with David Langford is brought to you by the faithful listeners and supporters throughout America. If you're looking for an uncompromising message, we invite you to tune in each week to The Voice of Evangelism. For more information, write to The Voice of Evangelism at P.O. Box 502 Kayser, North Carolina, 28020. That's P.O. Box 502, Kayser, North Carolina, 28020.